You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. Uh, We don't have any new callers, so let's get started with Jamie from Janesville. I just want to say one thing. Packers are heading to the playoffs. You don't know. Practice squad vote, you know? (laughs) Go Pack go. I don't know, but yeah, we're going to the playoffs, baby. Let's go. Hey, Kyle from Madison again. Howdy. So, did I hear this right? The Packers are the youngest team in the record-keeping history of the NFL to qualify for playoffs. I, I people keep saying that, and then I keep seeing people post very different things. Like it's it's the youngest team since this time. It's the youngest team to make the playoffs since you know. There's been like three other teams that have done it. I don't know. I, I I honestly, at this point, I don't know, and I I don't super care. It's it's the youngest or one of the youngest. It's pretty crazy, the situation either way. I I I really don't know. I everybody has said, I've seen seven different <laughs> descriptions of how this thing actually works. That is such freaking excellence. I think maybe we just need to pause a second and uh, think about the gravity of that statement. I mean, cause, I mean, because if if this is what we're doing as the youngest team in history, imagine what we'll be doing as right. a veteran team. Matt. Well, and again, the reason I say I I don't care is because whether we are the youngest or the second youngest or the third youngest, it still paints the same picture. You know what I mean? I mean, th- this is this is a team that <sighs> you think about like one player and their expected growth and how that impacts the team. And then multiply that across basically the entire offense with the exception of Aaron Jones. That's crazy. Because most of the time you're looking at, well, we got these players that are young and you hope that they can grow. We got these players that are kind of middle-aged. We kind of know what they are. Maybe they grow, but I think they've kind of peaked. And then we got these players who are on the tail ends of their careers. We're expecting some potential regression and, and potentially they're leaving. And it's just kind of this little cycle thing where, 
you know, we add players, we lose players, we add players, we lose players. You kind of go through that cycle and you hope that you can add at least at replacement rate. The Packers now have basically nobody leaving. Nobody's even at that middle age peak stage and everybody's just growing and improving. And yes, based on that, we should not be in the playoffs and we absolutely should not be a top 10, top five offense. You're you're right to pause on the gravity of that, because uh, that's just incredible. Also, I've just been watching a loop. It's not his, probably his best throw of the game, but the throw that Love has to ice the game to Tucker Craft, yes, is kind of like a microcosm of like all yeah. of the really great stuff he did this year. And I would definitely not say that was his best pass. Um. Well, I mean, it, it's it's up there. I would go with the Romeo Dobbs pass for a touchdown. I think I I don't I don't know. People keep posting new ones, and it's like holy cow, you don't even realize how good of a pass they were. But the Tucker Craft one we saw live that is unbelievable. And um, again, it, it for me a lot of it comes down to consistency and the fact that he's not only gone from consistency from game to game consistency from quarter to quarter, but he is now so consistent that basically he had an entire game of those types of throws. I, I, I would never even dare ask for something like this, like a performance like this. It's, it's insane. The guy missed maybe two passes. He had maybe two off passes. I don't remember. I know, I think he missed five total that were not caught. I know one of them was thrown away, and I know two of them were beautiful passes that were dropped. One of them was a bad pass, and there's one one missing pass that I don't know. Somebody had mentioned it was like real early on a screen, and it was wide or something. I really don't know. But um, just insane. Absolutely insane. You know, he, the pocket's clapping around him. He feels the pressure. He yep. steps up and then out to the right. And- he he is he has mastered that, by the way. I mean, that is that is the Aaron Rodgers special. He did that for years. You stand in the pocket as long as you can. You feel the pressure. Step up, break right, right. I mean, we've seen Rodgers do that a thousand times, but it's it's not just about knowing that he does it. It's it's the ability to do it. It's the ability to stand there comfortably in the pocket and look downfield. And then when nothing's there, know exactly when to step up. I mean, Rodgers had, like, spidey sense. You'd see guys come along, and just as they're about to grab him, he steps up. He doesn't see them. He just knows they're there. Steps up, and then he kind of breaks out. As people are trying to curl around the corner and come get him, he breaks out, and then he throws off his, off his you know, little sidearm chuck as he's fading away thing. We've seen Rodgers do that for years. It's one thing, again, yeah, he sat under Rodgers for a long time. I understand. I could sit behind Rodgers for a long time. I'm not doing any of this crap. But that's the benefit of Jordan Love because Jordan Love does have an Aaron Rodgers skill set. It's a matter of honing it. I, I, you know, I had mentioned that, you know, with Jordan Love, I, I don't see a middle ground. I see he's either going to be really terrible or he's going to be really, really, really good. So my excitement level right now is, is pretty high because although he could level off and he could become a mid quarterback, some people are projecting that. Um, you know, over at PFF, one of the guys said Josh Allen. One of the guys said Matt Stafford. I think you can call Stafford kind of a mid-quarterback. I mean, you won a Super Bowl with him, and he obviously had some elite moments. It had more to do with the inconsistency aspect than anything because both of those guys have elite flashes. But um, either way, I I just, I, uh, 
I'm, I don't know. I'm excited. Let's just keep going. With a guy literally at his fingertips on him. Yes. He throws the ball, falling away across the field to Tucker Craft in stride. In stride. What was right. Basically, this, the game, the, the, the play that sealed it. And, and that was the other thing. I'm so sorry that I'm interrupting every two seconds. Every pass was like in stride. I know it's hyperbole to say every pass, but man, I mean, there there weren't a ton of, when you look at it, I mean, some of the tough catches were tough catches because it had to be. The, you know, Romeo Dobbs and Bo Melton ones that got dropped, those were tough. But if he puts it anywhere else, it's not getting caught. I mean, the pinpoint accuracy, the throw to Jaden Reed shocked me. I mean, it was impressive because he's rolling to his left, still has like the fadeaway throw across his body thing. So that's cool. But it's, I mean, it was mostly straight in front of him. So it wasn't like his most difficult throw, but it was a difficult throw. It was a very good throw, but just the pinpoint accuracy to have Jaden Reed at full speed didn't have to break stride for a second. Same thing with Tucker Craft. The 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 Dobbs and Bo Melton things were pinpoint passes. The Jaden Reed down the down the field the other time was was pinpoint. I mean, just it, it was as perfect of a performance as you're gonna see from a quarterback. I mean, just bottom line. That you, you just don't get better games than that. You really just don't. No one would go on to actually seal it, you know, to finally get the first down run to run the victory formation, but um, you know, but that play really, really sets it up. And holy crap, man! I mean, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm shocked in in a good way. I mean, this is really incredible. And so now we get to go see Mike, Big Mike, down down in Jerry yeah. World. Let's go. And uh, I mean. You gotta like the Packers' chances a little bit. I mean, <laughs> they're playing well. I think you can see. You know, I know you don't like hearing about a young team, but I'm sorry, dude. They are, and they make some young team mistakes, and that's just whether we like it or not. It's not going to change the fact that that happens. You know, like right. Wicks running backwards, not going out of bounds. But I mean, the great thing about it is they're significantly improved. Which, as I talked about on I think today's podcast, um. It really comes down to the amount of work that they've all put in. It's a testament to the amount of work they've all put in. To be able to not only overcome the mistakes, but become what they've become. It's not just like they're not a negative anymore. They're a massive positive. As I've said now, I don't know how many times over the last two episodes, in, since like week 12, I think, we have three top 20 wide receivers. That's not just being a non-negative it's not just like, well, I'm, I'm not running wrong routes anymore, and I'm not dropping passes as much anymore. It's like, no, I, and I'm also one of the best wide receivers in football. Oh, and, and he is, and he is also. I, I, you know, again, I don't know if it's going to carry on, but I, I, every week I think that this is going to come to an end. The first time we saw Jordan have a really good game, is like, eh, probably won't see that again, and it basically hasn't stopped. I mean, he's had some some low points, which every quarterback is going to have. Nobody's perfect every single week. Dentavian Wicks, I didn't really expect him to maintain it. He has been the most steady guy on the entire team, I would say. Jaden Reed, once he clicked on, he hasn't clicked off. Bo Melton, you had a big game. That ain't going to happen again. It got better. Okay, but that ain't going to happen again. It got better. Okay, but that's not going to happen again. And then the next week, it wasn't better, but it was still very good. He has not had a bad game ever. He's been he's, he's been nothing but either good, great, or elite. That's it. Those are the only things we've seen from Bo Melton this year. 
I, I, I hate to sound super lame and old manish, but I am very, very, very proud of this team. And I, you know, we knew that this is kind of the guys that we have that, you know, we heard from about Jordan Love that he was that guy. He was going to, you know, grab his guys by the neck if need be, you know, by the scruff and drag them into the film room and like, we're going to work. We're going to go out and put in the work and we're going to make this work. And you can see it. The freaking timing. I mean, that's the thing. The pinpoint accuracy isn't just Jordan. The receivers have to be where they're supposed to be in order for the ball to meet at that intersection point perfectly. And we're seeing that. I mean, the, the pacing on that Wicks pass, I, I've mentioned that a couple times. I thought that was beautiful because it wasn't just a standard route. It wasn't just one, two, three, go. He's kind of just dancing with the guy. You know, it's, it's sort of like, what am I going to do? What it did, it did, it did, boom, and he breaks. And then the ball hits him. You know, I, it's just, it's it's all the little things like that that are coming together on top of Matt LaFleur on the fly learning what he has. You know what I mean? He it, It's all just kind of a toss-up. It's like, you got this team... And you don't know. You don't know what you're going to get from Jordan. You don't know what you're getting from from Musgrave, who's going to be your number one tight end. You don't know what you're getting from Tucker. You don't know what you're getting from any of your really wide receivers. Um, and 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 Watson wasn't, I don't even think, healthy early in the season. So you got Dobbs, and I have no idea. And as these guys play, and remember, Reed's not very good, and Wicks seems to be the top guy, and Dobbs seems pretty good at first. And it, it's a constantly evolving thing, and Matt has to keep readjusting and tweaking and 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 every single week refining, it's it's kind of like a, a a Rubik's cube. You know, you keep going, and all of a sudden it's starting to come together. You're starting to see it. The colors are starting to come together. And now you got your core guys. Like, okay, I know what I got in Wicks. I know what I have in Reed. I know how to use these guys. I know what Tucker's role is. I figured out how to get Musgrave going. So it's just the intersection of all these things slowly starting to come together. And look at what it's producing. And everything you said earlier, Kyle, is still relevant. This is still just like day one. This is them. This is them just starting to figure out, like, oh, this is how. So that. So this is how you play. Let me try it. And boom, like one of the best offenses in football. Oh, oh, that was easy. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. And and look, it's it's possible that starting next year. You know, oh, they, they got tape on you now and all. Okay, fine. Yeah. And maybe it starts to, but it, it's not a tape thing, at least with Jordan Love. What What is tape going to do in terms of his ability to run to his right, throw across his body, pinpoint accuracy when a guy is blanket covered, but the ball is put exactly where the, the receiver can get it and the defender can't? That's not a film issue. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with it. You know, and Dontavian Wicks just breaking your ankles at the line you know, just understanding the, the the pacing of his route, getting you to kind of like break to the sideline and then he cuts inside. I mean, that's not a tape thing. I mean, maybe it is if you, if you kind of pick up on something, but I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm excited. Go ahead. I'm, I will not interrupt you ever again. Uh, a young kicker missing a field goal, like that kind of stuff. It's been a lot fewer and far between, but um, you know, to beat Dallas, you're going to need to not do that. So I don't know if that can happen, but Certainly, it's kind of house money now, isn't it? <laughs> because they made it in. Right, right. They went 9-8. and eight. They bettered their performance from last year. They flipped the script on, on the team from last year. And, I mean, if anybody else is not impressed right now, they're just a freaking hater for, for the sake of hating, or they're just bitter because what Green Bay has done. I mean, even in today's game, they, they should have probably won by about 10, 13 or more. Uh, but they still found a way to do it. Um, so, I mean, you, you just can't hate on this team, especially considering where they are. And again, the youngest team in history to ever 
make the playoffs. I mean, take about take about Green Bay, take about Jordan Love, and let's ride his arm. Our younger three minutes got him. Yeah, what what I've noticed, um, there are some people online who are just basically trolling for the sake of trolling. I don't know if they're young people or what. Um, I engaged with a couple of them. One of them, I it was pretty lighthearted. You know, he's, I, I just, I even mentioned a couple of times, like I respect the troll. Like I thought it was kind of funny. I, he's obviously not being serious. And then another guy came along and we, we kind of argued back and forth for a little bit. And the viciousness, I, I, I've said, I've only ever blocked one person. I have now blocked three. Um, the viciousness of these people when suddenly they decide that they're losing the argument is pretty shocking. So there is a very small contingent of people who are, and I, I'm sure there are rational anti gudikuns people out there somewhere. There, there have to be some that hate Jordan and hate Gudikuns and hate Rashawn and, and everything that's ever happened that are not purely evil people. I just have not met them. So I would just say, for your own sake, tread carefully when engaging with those types of people because the hatred is, it's not just a silly, goofy thing. They're very, very hateful people. Anyways, why don't we take a break? We got three calls coming up from Trevor, so we'll hit those all in a row. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan. Hey. Trevor in Virginia. How you doing, man? Man, that was 
the, the score was closer than it should have been. You know, I mean, we it was, it was kind of like those some of those earlier games, but we still like were in control of the game the whole time. I mean, that was. I, I, I'm not unhappy with the win, and I mean, the defense is playing well. I, I don't know. I mean, you, you come out with a performance like that against Dallas, and Joe Barry's going to save his job. I'm just going to say that right now. I mean, people don't want to hear it, but if, if Joe Barry holds Dallas to under 20 points, and you know it passes the eye test, I think he hates the job, honestly. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence, honestly. Um, but anyway, uh, that was uh, me. Me and my wife were having uh, another child in the next two or three weeks, and I'm going to talk to my wife. And uh, we we might just have to change our name and name the child Carl. Um, you know, I'm having drinks all off the game. You know, watching it one time through. But I just feel like Carl Brooks was everywhere today. Yeah, um, he had a great day. He he definitely came through. And I know people are probably still upset at Rashawn because he's not getting the sacks. But Rashawn looks good. I mean, he's getting pressure. He is the reason I. Yeah, and I don't want to be that guy, but the few times that I peeked over at Rashawn, he was either getting double teamed or he's getting held. I, I'm I'm just stating what I saw, so you know I I I don't want to just make lame excuses for him. I mean, you still expected to be that dude, but as I mentioned before, I I think the benefit of Rashawn getting so much extra attention is that you see Carl Brooks and Kenny Clark and Lucas Van Ness and all these other guys. They're all getting one on ones and they're winning. And as long as they can continue to win, I mean, I'll I'll take. It's kind of like Christian Watson, you know, in terms of all the extra attention and him stretching out the field, it benefits everybody else underneath. Now I would love for Christian Watson to have three touchdowns and 214 receiving yards and a rushing touchdown on top of it and just tear up everybody and be the best, most elite guy in the world. But if he ends with two receptions for, you know, 35 yards, but everybody else underneath benefits and we end up dominating because of what he's doing, that's, in my opinion, maybe even more beneficial than what he does as a pure receiver. So I think they both kind of have that that attribute. Now, you still expect them to produce, um, but if they can't because of the extra attention, that's when you expect other guys to produce. And we're seeing that. I mean, I think Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Bo Melton, Malik Heath, all these guys, Romeo Dobbs, I think they've done a great job of capitalizing on the opportunities that are given, and Matt LaFleur does a good job there, and, and we've been kind of lacking that on defense a little bit, but obviously in this game it came through, and if they can continue that, then you put guys in a position where it becomes complicated. Do we draw all the extra attention to Rashawn because we're scared of Rashawn, or do we kind of just keep that running back back where you know they, they kind of wait for somebody and then pop them, or do you just immediately beeline for Rashawn and leave yourself open that that kind of becomes a question. So it's partly, Rashawn, please keep your foot on the gas, but also, you know, I mean, the bottom line is for Rashawn, if you get a one-on-one, you got to win because you need to make them think, crap, we can't just leave him one-on-one because he's just killing everybody. But aside from that, as long as he's doing that, that's when we need Kenny, we need Brooks, we need Wooden, we need Wyatt, we need Lucas Van Ness and Preston and Kingsley. We need these guys to say, okay, you're going to go one-on-one with me, you're done. It's over. Or, or and and Quay and and Devante uh, 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 Devandre couldn't get Devante Wyatt out of my head. Freaking five pressure attempts and got home all five. I mean, you want to terrify the Dallas Cowboys? What are you going to do? They their their plan was to take away Rashawn and they succeeded and it killed them. 
You you're, you eliminated Rashawn, and it cost you five sacks in the game. The line every and, and, and the 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 well, I don't need to elaborate. They're they're beginning to do a great job, and and I have to credit Joe Barry because it seems unlikely that all of them are just suddenly good at pass rushing. And you know, I mean, Quay was not very good at it, and Devondre. I mean, we were not successful blitzing linebackers. And I think it had to do with like spacing. It was just, we create this big pile and then the linebackers run into the pile. There has to be space. So they're they're starting to create more space and generate it. I think with stunts and twists and all this stuff and actually using these things and doing these things intelligently. So, I mean, it's just, it's just the one game, more or less. But I think putting that on tape for Dallas is probably beneficial because they're going to have to really worry about our ability to get to the quarterback. I think that a lot of these sacks are happening are Rashawn, even though he's not the one getting right. the sack, is what I'm kind of seeing, because he's, you know, causing that pressure, beating those double, or at least pushing those double teams back into the quarterback. Um, and then Bo freaking Melton just keeps doing it. I mean, that was a touchdown. Right. I don't care what the, I, I don't care if I'm supposedly biased for being a Packer fan. Right. He pinned it to his leg, and then it never moved again. I, I, I don't see where that wasn't a touchdown. Um, and I, I, I'm interested to hear what you think of Jair. I, I didn't notice him, except, you know, I saw him out there being the old Jair. He was John, and I, I liked what I saw out of Jair today. So, And Aaron Jones, fresh, going into the playoffs. I mean, I hate playing Dallas, um, honestly, but, um, you know, we might have to put old Mike down, you know. Um, so, hope, hoping that's the case. But uh, I feel like I another point, but I don't know. I'm just – I can't believe we made the playoffs this year, the way this year went. I'm – Jordan Love, it looks phenomenal. The only concern is going to be how much we're going to have to pay him in May. You know, it's unfortunate. I guess we get agreed to it in principle, but it's unfortunate that we can't get his contract done before May um, because it has to be, you know, a year after the last extension, which was this May. So, But I guess they get agreed in principle so we have an idea going into the draft what we're dealing with because I, I don't see any way we don't extend him for the next season. So um, I'm expecting like a two-, three-year extension, you know, kind of a – not a prove a deal, but kind of a, you know, we, we're not ready to give you a 10-year deal or five, six-year deal. So anyway, great game. Go back, go. Yeah, you mentioned Jair. Um, and as I said on today's podcast, he was the highest graded coverage guy. He was the only guy with a positive coverage grade. Um, but one of the things that kind of stuck out is uh, Christian Watson's dad on on Twitter He's very active on there, and I love that he's very engaged and just like embraces that he is a Packer fan. Um, he, he he speaks as as basically a Green Bay Packers analyst, so I think that that's kind of cool. Rather than just being like, "I'm here for my son," whatever, it's like we, you know, talking about the Packers and stuff. So he's really embraced it, which I think is awesome. <clears throat> and he brings up a lot of really good points. Um, one of them that I thought was interesting, you know, you saw the Jair interview where he jumps on it was very very funny apparently there was a new young um girl uh, lady reporter and she was just talking about the game or whatever i don't know what she was talking about but jair comes into the the screen and starts talking and runs off and she says oh you heard it from a fan she didn't know who it was it was it was a i thought it was a cute moment if you will 25 year old me would punch myself in the face for saying that but 10 years of marriage four four kids later sometimes i say cute shut up not mad at the young girl for not knowing who he is. She'll learn. Very cool moment for her. Anyways, the that all that whole moment kind of got swept up. Some people are upset. How do you get a job here and you don't know who you blah blah blah? Like whatever, stupid. Who cares? But he kind of mentioned that 
I think everybody's missing the point. Jair came up and said, the pack is back, baby. And then he did his little huh thing, which I freaking love. But he mentioned like, did you hear what he just said? Here's, here's what his tweet says. Um, he's at NFL Hitman 33, by the way. As comical as the interaction was, there was actually also exciting truth shared in this clip. If you weren't paying close attention Sunday or haven't rewatched the Bears game and our secondary, quote, I just want to tell you Ja is back, unquote. And there's, there's, I mean, if you think about it, this all kind of makes sense, right? Obviously, look, the, we know the locker room on the defensive side was falling apart. It was getting bad. The defensive players had given up on Joe Barry. They had given up on playing. You know, one of the things that, I know spanking is considered like the most evil thing in the world or whatever, but one of the things behind it, it doesn't have to be that, it could be something else, whatever, is that sometimes kids will be like so completely out of control and they're in this like stage, this phase of, of rebellion, and there needs to be a thing that snaps them out of it. And then all of a sudden, like the, everything kind of comes back to normal, kind of resets the computer. And I feel like there was this massive amount of tension and anger, and hostility, and us versus them, and all that stuff. And it, it all culminated and peaked in Carolina when Jair did what he did. And that was the moment where somebody needed a spanking, essentially. And they laid the hammer down and basically just said, enough is enough. And so they went to Jair, they suspended him, they had a talk, they cleared the air, and it kind of reset everything. And Jair is now kind of like, I don't want to say his spirit is broken, but it's it's kind of just, it's gotten to the point where it's like, okay, enough is enough. Like, I need to dial it back a little bit. Not not necessarily having fun, as you can see here. Here, let me just play the interaction, because it's kind of funny. Uh, volume up, here we go. Bring that energy right to Texas. I'm just here to tell uh, you, Pack is back. You heard it from a <laughs> no. fan right here. Pack is back. You heard it from a fan right here. But what happened after that? After that, they went to Minnesota, and they had, let me, let me go to DVOA just to show you kind of an illustrated picture of how much things changed. So Green Bay, according to DVOA, prior to week 17, had one, two, three, four, they had five good games. One of them was basically average. Three of their good games came before their bye. After their bye, it was bad, bad, good, bad, bad, good, bad, bad, really, really bad, really, really bad. Right? Like it, it, it fell off a cliff week 14. That's when the team just gave up. It was a 51.3 DVOA, which is to say 51.3% worse than your average defense. It was the worst defensive performance of the entire week. Arizona Cardinals were the second worst at 44. Then week 16, they had a 43.4 percent DVOA. That was the worst defensive performance of the week. Arizona was next with 35.3. So for two weeks in a row, in fact, actually week 14, they had a positive 51.3. That was the worst defensive performance of the week. So three weeks in a row, weeks 14, 15, and 16, they were the worst defense in the NFL. Not just cumulatively over those three weeks, each individual week, they were the worst defense. Then, you know, that's when things kind of kind of broke. Week 17, we get what? We get the Green Bay Packers with the third best defensive performance of the week with a negative 42.4 DVOA. So they took a hard swing from three weeks in a row, in a row being the worst defense in football 
to the third best defense behind the Houston and Baltimore performances. And then in week 18, they had a negative 11 DVOA. Not massively elite, but solid. And they have not had back to, two back-to-back defensive performances ever. I mean, this season. It's not happened one time where they had two good games in a row. Week two, they had a good game. The next week, positive 15.8. Week three, they had a good game, then positive 12.6. Uh, week five was technically positive with negative 0.3. Then after the bye, they came back positive 30. Terrible game. Week nine, they had a good week, then positive 22. Week 12, and then po- they, they did not have two good games in a row all freaking year. And on top of that, Jair comes back. He's got a different energy to him. He seems excited. I haven't seen any negative energy in the defense. They beat the Vikings. They beat the Bears. Everybody's excited. Everybody's happy. Jair's feeling good. Jair's playing good. It wasn't an elite performance, but he played fine. 75 PFF grade. It was his second best game of the year. The, The week nine, which was two weeks ago for him, was his highest. The point is, there's some reason to believe that I'm, I'm not pre- pre- predicting an elite performance, but we did see last year when there was a change in the defense, right? It was after the bye, but whatever the excuse or the reason is, something changed and the defense was just good, right? They had a good performance coming out of the bye, and it's like, well, you don't really expect it to continue, and they did it again. And it's like, well, that's interesting. All right, and then they did it again, did it again. They, they did it basically all year, I think. I don't know about the... Last game against Detroit, let me check. No, they kind of crapped the bed a little bit. Wasn't terrible, but it was a negative, I mean, a bad performance. But whatever. I'm I'm just saying, I feel like the air has been cleared to some degree. I think there's a new uh, energy and a new excitement. And I think even, you know, when you look at the offense, I think the defense is energized by how well the offense is playing, and they want to complement that. I think they see that this is a real, legit football team. I think that they see that the coach is doing a great job. I think they see that, you know, the the path to the playoffs was there. They've battled hard. They got into the playoffs on the backs of the defensive performance to some degree. It's not like they're being dragged. I mean, they contributed in a big way, especially in week 17 against the Vikings. Huge defensive performance. And now they're going to the playoffs. And now it's buckle down time. Now it's bust out the cigars, get jacked up. You know, let's let's leave the petty BS behind and let's play some football. And I'm I'm feeling like that's the energy. I mean, you look at how this defense played in this game, especially the guys up front. I mean, that doesn't seem like a team that quit. I think they bottomed out like week 15 or 16 or whatever. When, when you know, after well, when they lost to the Giants in Tampa, things really got dark. Then the defense completely gave up, crapped the bed against Carolina. We still ended up winning the game because of the offense. Like, And, and then it looks like the playoffs are kind of out of the picture. So... Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think that there was just a massive downward spiral that we've kind of pulled out of, which means instead of getting these defensive players at their worst, we'll start to see them at their best. Now, that doesn't mean it's an elite defense, but Jair playing at his best and Kenny and Rashawn and Preston and these, I mean, they're going to have bad games. It happens every single game, but it's, it's, it's not out of the question that they can compete. That's all I'm going to say. They can compete. Dallas is probably the better team. That's fine. But these guys can play and they can compete. If you get the Packers at their best, they can do it. Trevor in Virginia again. Um, I remember my other point. I was stalling at the end of my last call trying to get to it, and I couldn't remember it, so I hung up. But um, Quay Walker, I mean, again, I my, my call and reactions are based on just watching the the, the TV copy, you know, so my, my takes probably aren't always completely accurate. You go back and rewatch, maybe things are different. But, I mean, what, 
was it me or was he doing his best Isaiah McDuffie impression? Which you shouldn't be saying about your second round, first round draft pick compared to what late round draft pick. But um, I, I think he's been watching some tape on McDuffie because I mean, he was flying, shooting in the backfield, um, just being, I feel like, more disruptive, not sitting back as much. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, well, if the team has played like this all year, which is, I know that's the reason we should get rid of Joe, right? And I agree. So, um, but if it's just played like this all year, I mean, we're an 11, 12 win team. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, go back, go. Yeah, I know uh, there was a clip of Quay that somebody is passing around or whatever, but an offensive lineman comes up to block him, which is standard, right? They get up to the next level. And Quay just like, it's like he loaded up a freaking shotgun. He just cocks his shoulder, just throws his shoulder into this guy's throat. The offensive lineman just gets popped in the head and goes flying on the ground. I mean, he just killed this guy. He just shoulder checked him, and the offensive lineman just went fly into the ground. And it was funny because he just sat there and looked up in Quay and smiled. Like, bro, what the heck was that? I don't remember seeing too many instances of a linebacker. I mean, usually you just kind of, you know, there's this technical, you, you, you get your arms inside and you try to shed the block and do all that. Quay just, he he was pissed. He just said, screw you, bro. I'm tired of you touching me. And again, I love that energy. I love the Bears said too that it's like this, they're these fake tough guys. And why did he say that? Because the Packers were were, were playing kind of dirty. And so he, he, of course, is going to characterize it as fake tough guy. But the fact of the matter is the Packers are just smoking these guys all day long. And they were getting pissed. Blocking a little bit longer. Shoving a little bit, uh, little bit out of bounds there. Obviously took a crack at Justin Fields. I have no idea if that should have been a penalty or not. Again, I don't know the rules. I assume it should have been a penalty because you can't touch a quarterback, especially when he's sliding and giving himself up. But And, and they've kind of had that for a while, which, again, I appreciate because the Packers have not usually been that team. The last time I've seen like this kind of, of violent energy was back in like the Kaepernick days, and I remember how violent that game was. Like The Packers hated the 49ers with a passion, and the 49ers hated the Packers. And I remember when you had uh, Clay Matthews hitting Colin Kaepernick way out of bounds. Like Clay was Clay was an a, a underrated player in terms of how violent he was. Like he just seemed like a fun kind of laid back. Like he's just having fun. He was a freaking mean guy, and he really hated Kaepernick and the 49ers. And when he hit quarterbacks, he wanted to hurt them. The amount of heads he buried in the ground were shocking. I miss Clay Matthews, man. But yeah, I don't. Uh, what did what did Quay do in this game? I don't exactly remember. Oh, yeah, he graded out real well. It was actually his best game since week one. <laughs> He's been kind of struggling for sure. I didn't realize how much he was struggling. We'll get to the defense uh, tomorrow. I want to finish up my little thing here, but I'm kind of surprised to see how bad Quay. I mean, his grades are up. He had a 52 grade as a as a rookie. He's up to a 61, but um, yeah, it's been pretty rough for, for old Quay. Uh, Trevor again, what's up? Hey, Ryan, Trevor Virginia again. Hey. This will be... Uh, my trio of calls, I'll stop after this because I know other people want to get their calls in. But, um, I mean, I think the biggest advantage of this offense right now is just, like, what do you do as a defensive coordinator? Like, who do you seem to cover? Like, who who would have thought that this week Bo Melton would have been the centerpiece of our passing? Of our, like, you know, he's doing the motion, we gave it to him on a run, and there was nothing there on that run, and he just made it happen for a 10-plus ten ten yard first down. Like, what... Who would have thought Bo Melton would be the guy to center around this week? I'd be like, oh, yeah, if I was DC, I'd be like, he had a 100-yard game last week, big game, but, you know, it's going to fall off this week. And, of course, he didn't have a 100-yard game again, but it was just, you know, if I was the floor going into these playoffs, 
I'm scheming a different receiver to be the centerpiece every week. And then what are defenses supposed to do? Like, right. you come out next week against Dallas, you make Reed the centerpiece. The next week, you make Wicks the centerpiece. You make Kraft and Musgrave the centerpiece. Only like, it's just like there's. I I think I mentioned this earlier in the year, but there's not that Devontae Adams to key in on. Yeah, it's like, oh, you want a double team receiver A? Well, well and that works to Matt Lafleur and Jordan Love's benefit. Like I said, there there is a drawback to having a Devontae Adams because you become dependent. We even saw Rodgers with that. I mean, he he would when things would go south, he wanted to just force it to Devontae, like save me, Devontae, and that they're double triple team in the guy, and it's like everything just kind of goes south. Jordan doesn't have that, so he's just going through his progressions and just working within the offense and just seeing who's open. It doesn't matter. I mean, they're all on a similar plane, which I I think is I think there is a benefit to that. Not I'm not saying we I don't want a Devonte type guy. I'm just saying I don't like it if it's to the de- detriment of working within a scheme and not just panicking and keying in on a guy like a Devonte. Guess what? We're going to go to receiver B. Oh, you want to play coverage? Well, Aaron Jones is fresh, and we're going to give it to him. And there's going to be no blocking. Um, he's going to be hit in the backfield, but he's still going to run for 12 yards. Like, I don't know. I, I'm probably getting ahead of myself. We're probably going to lose to Dallas. But it's just, it feels more and more like that 2010 run, um, even though, don't get me wrong, that's completely unlikely. But the completely irrational Packer fan in me is like, let's go. That's what's happening. Um, so I'm going to ride this bay for another week. Um, and yeah, like I said, I just, I don't know what even the coordinator is supposed to do with this Packer offense right now. So go back, go. Well, and that's kind of the cool benefit too, is, you know, Matt LaFleur can come in with a game plan based on defensive tendencies of a team like Detroit and say, this is kind of what we want to attack, but it also makes you very easily adaptable because you can see what they're doing and change on the fly based on whatever they want to do. You know, you want to take away the middle of the field. We can start attacking the boundaries with, you know, we'll start throwing wide receiver screens or whatever the case you want to start taking away deep. We can throw underneath. We have so many different guys that can do so many different things. We can adapt on the fly. You know, you got the guys up in the booth, your offensive coordinators up there sitting next to Joe Barry watching and seeing what Dallas is doing. And as Dallas starts to make some changes to take some things away, you identify that and you have a plan. You have, people you have whatever and as long as jordan can make all the throws and guys are executing there's no reason the offense can't attack everybody it's just a matter of matt lafleur continuing to identify what dallas is doing and attacking the weaknesses of that strategy so and i think matt does a fantastic job of that and that's why the offense thrives because it's it's not just about playing well in a vacuum it's about understanding and identifying what the defense is doing making the right adjustments and, and play calls, and then the players need to execute it. But it starts with Matt LaFleur um, in each moment identifying the right play to call against the defense. So as long as the guys are executing, and uh, there's there's everything at Matt LaFleur's disposal to be able to attack in every way. And again, with Bo Melton and a little bit Reed, there's enough speed there to compensate for not having Christian Watson, who I do hope comes back next week. But we'll see. All right, let's take our final break. We'll come back and hear from Kyle from Madison. Hey, Kyle from Madison. <laughs> I love watching Bears post-game shows. You know it's a good day when Olin Cruz looks <laughs> like he's going to both start crying and also assault someone. Love it. Assault someone again, you mean? 
I said, I shouldn't laugh, but it, it 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 does make me laugh that I'm pretty sure the situation was Olin Krutz stuffed one of the Bears reporters in a locker. <laughs> Olin Krutz, to his core, is just a jock. He is, always was, and always will be just a football player jock, and he works in the media now, which means he works with the guys that he terrorized in high school, and now as a grown adult, he's still terrorizing this young kid who probably was picked on in high school as a smaller, nerdier little guy. But uh, yeah, I think Olin got in a little bit of trouble for that. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I think um, I think it was about Mustafer and everybody was written. Kruitz, who's a center, was getting super pissed about it. And I don't know if it was just uh, kind of like a lighthearted joke or if he was legitimately assaulting the guy. I mean, it's, I think it's salt either way, technically, but whatever. Yeah, Olin Kruitz is... You know, one thing I love about... <clears throat> Chicago Bears media. I mean, I, I genuinely, I, I genuinely do have a lot of respect for the Chicago Bears historically. I like that that they have so many former players that are just diehard Bears guys. Olin Krutz, like he's a diehard Bears fan. He's in the media now. You've got um, Dave Wanstead. I really, really like David Wanstead. I like that he's an old school throwback guy. He might be a little out of touch, but I don't care. I appreciate listening to that. I feel like the Bears and their fans and a lot of their media is sort of out of touch a little bit and old school which is maybe why their team sucks. I don't know, but I appreciate the media that they have. But yeah, when they melt down, man, it is funny. As you know, we we spend some time enjoying it, and we will. Um, if Probably not tomorrow because we got some stuff to do, but um, after that, we got to delve in for sure. Hey, Ryan. It's Chris from Green Bay. Hey. Uh, I'm just calling because uh, I've been wanting to do this for a couple of weeks now. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of office references, so sure. why not make another one? Okay, so uh, Michael Scott starts his own paper company. Michael Scott paper, paper company, company. Yep. right? And long story short, he comes back and uh, he asks those that kind of abandon him to apologize. apologize like, yeah. I want an apology and I want a big one, yeah. okay? And you know who Michael Scott is right now? Good cunts. Like, <laughs> I want an apology for drafting Jordan Love. And I want a big one, Yeah. okay? For all the crap that he took for drafting Jordan Love, I want a big apology for all the crap that he took. That's all. That's all. So... Anyways, keep up with the great pod, man. You're doing some great stuff. Go Petco. I think the only difference is he actually does deserve an apology, unlike Michael Scott, who was kind of being a jerk. But no, I, I agree. It's um, He's obviously not going to say it, but I'm sure he's, he's reveling in uh, what's going on right now. And there have been some apologies, and we'll get to that, which is fantastic. I think... Um, Pat McAfee has basically apologized. Um, uh, what's his name? Brant has apologized. I think uh, Adam Shine has essentially apologized. I haven't really listened to that one yet, but I know he kind of goes into the, the whole thing. So, yeah, man, I uh, it's a good year for good year to be Brian Gutekunst. That's for sure. What's going on, it's Omar Firefighter? How you doing? Uh, great game by Jordan Love. Can't believe I waited this late after the game when I called. This is like three hours or so <laughs> after the game. I, normally I get that out the way. So this will probably be on the next 
episode or whatever. <laughs> Either way, Jordan Love played great. And I, I, I was, you know, I don't even blame the fumble on him. Like, the, the guy helmet hit the football perfectly. And the receivers messed the daggone rod up anyway. So he just... He did something instead of saying, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, so I, I give him credit. He played great. And, um, I, you know, I, first half of the season, I was like, this guy ain't it. You know, we traded Rizzo. I'm like, yeah. let's go ahead and tank for one of these top two quarterbacks. But now the way he's playing, like, man, like, if he can, if he can do this and he's just starting off, if he can just get better than this, this is, we're great. We 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 do it for the next ten years again. This is just gonna be an awesome feeling. Um, on the other note, uh, Fields played like he knew his job was over. He didn't like. I thought he would rise to the occasion and uh, play like like man, my job's on the line. Like I need to I need to go out here and ball out and show these Chicago Bears they need to give me a new contract. Like I'm deserving of one. And he played like. Man, they're going to replace me, man. Like, it ain't even fair. Like, he played like he heard them say, hey, we're going to take a quarterback, number one. Like, he heard them say that. He didn't play with, like, I feel like he played with no heart. Yeah. He, he won't accurate. It was just like, wow. Like, I mean, it was kind of shocking because I really thought he would play like his life was on line. And he played like... Like dead man walking, like he was going to the electric chair, like he already right, want well, nothing he can do about it. Um, but anyway, I'm excited. Um, I didn't, I'm out. I don't even know who we're gonna play in the playoffs. Uh, I got a lot of Dallas Cowboys family members and friends, so you know, I'd rather play the Lions because I'm like, we should, we could beat them easily. I mean, I think we could beat the Cowboys too, but um, we're gonna have to play good, great football, not messing up all simple stuff. But I'm excited just in general to be in the playoffs. And, you know, I could have got the Super Bowl off this year, and I didn't because I'm like, we're not going. But next year I'm making sure I'm not working Super Bowl because I think we can do it next year. Anyway, go Pat and go after a good draft. Yeah, I mean, I I think most of us were on that train. Um, You know, somebody had mentioned that I think, the Packers are only the tenth team in NFL history to make the playoffs after going three and six. Um, you know, we traded away Razul after we lost to the Minnesota Vikings. We went two and five at that point. So you you I'm trying to look it up right now, see if I can figure it out. But your odds to make the playoffs at that point are very minimal. And Jordan Love was not the guy, which is funny because we traded away Razul week eight. What week did Jordan turn it on? Week nine. <laughs> so it was it was pretty cooked right Jordan doesn't look like the guy we're not going to make the playoffs. somebody's offering us a third round pick for Razul sounds good you know I don't know if we're going to keep him anyways let's capitalize on a pretty high pick for the guy who by the way has not been as good as a lot of people want to make it out to be um he had two good games uh, against the Jets he had a 96.3 grade which is obviously dominant and then New England, 81.6, and it's on the back of a bunch of picks. He had two interceptions against the Jets, two interceptions um, against New England. His grades outside of that have been 66, 67, 50, 67, 53, 63, and 42 against Miami. But it's like, 
again, that's the thing where something good happens. And it's like, oh, see, he's so good. And you let him go. You're an idiot. And then you don't see him. You don't see him. But you don't think to yourself like, wait, what happened? Did he have a bad day? What did he do? Nobody thinks about that. They just stop thinking about it. And then he pops up again with another two interception thing. And it's like, oh, you guys let go of Rizzo. You're a bunch of idiots. And this is the dumbest thing. This is the worst thing. He's the greatest. Whatever. I mean, don't get me wrong. That Those performances against the Jets in New England were dominant. I mean, you very rarely see a 96 grade ever, 95 coverage grade. Four targets, zero receptions, two picks, and a pass breakup. You're talking four times you were targeted. You picked off two and tipped one. That's freaking crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to dis. I mean, Razul is a good player. I like Razul a lot. Do I wish we had Razul? I do, because I like him. But the the bottom line is the turnaround. And, and again, the the PFF recaps and everything else. They they keep hammering this point where it's like I've never seen anything like this. You know, the Josh Allen turnaround was pretty massive, but that was after a specific year, and they got a new wide receiver, right? It was it was like he was bad, he was bad, he was bad for like three years, and then it was. I think year four plus the new wide receiver and just it just clicked. This is Jordan Love is pretty bad through eight weeks and then is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for the second half of the year, if not the best. Like when does that ever happen, especially for a first year guy? It just I just I don't think it really ever happens. So the turnaround has been ridiculous. Once we hit three and six, there was like a I don't know the exact odds, but it was very, very, very low single digit odds that we were going to make it in. And then we go on a what six and two run, which is shocking because the only losses we had were the Giants and the Bucks. I mean, if we thought we were going to go six and two down the run, um, that would have been fantastic. But we would have assumed like one of the losses was the Chiefs, the other one was maybe Detroit. <laughs> it's like, no, we, we, we cleaned them up. That was some of our best. Some of our best work. It's a few hours after the game, Ryan. This is Henry from Minnesota. Howdy. I am very calm now. I did not like that game. (laughs) But here's my reasoning. The Packers should have scored at least 28. Because here's my logic. DJ Moore catches, air quotes, a ball. It bobbles around after he rolls it on the ground, and they call it a catch. Okay. Romeo Dobbs does not catch a ball because apparently it's not secure when his ass hits the ground and then he rolls onto his back and he's getting jostled by two Bears players. Fine, they're a little different. But then you've got Bo Melton in the back of the end zone. Come down with a ball. Doesn't hit the ground. He secures it against his thigh before it touches the ground at all. And then he comes up with it in his hand. How is that not a catch? If the exact same standard is applied across all three catches, the Packers should have two more touchdowns. Very simply. That's all I've got, really. I mean, the no penalties was fine, but hell, the Bears fans are going to be about that one hit on field. But Bears players are out there throwing fists in the all all throughout the game. They weren't calling anything, so they can can it. They can talk about 
1985 some more and go off to Ditka. I don't care. Yeah. Upset. Upset. It's just a bad product. It just feels bad when you know that it should have been 28 to 9. Go, Pack, go. Hopefully the NFL can pull their head out of their butt. <sighs> Got a little riled up talking about this. Go, Pack, go. Well, I mean, I, I was happy with the, the game and the result, obviously, but there, you're right about the fact that that needs to be cleaned up. I mean, you can't do that in the playoffs. And what I mean by that is not capitalizing on your opportunities. You can't drive down against the Dallas defense and not get points and then expect to win the game. Like When you get down the field, if you're kicking a field goal, you need to make it. Or better yet, don't have to kick a field goal, right? Um Catch the ball. I know it's going to be tough, but Romeo, catch the ball. Bo Melton, catch the ball. I agree. I thought it was a catch, but whatever. Uh, Jordan, you know, you can't be fumbling. Uh, Anders, don't miss the kicks. It's just, it's it, it really is like a matter of you got to tighten it up because one little mistake ruins everything. But, um, I mean, they, they, they played hard, man. But, yeah, they got to clean that up. Anyways, why don't we leave it at that? I'm going to head out of here. You guys have a good night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.